We uh, believe in teachers. We're so thankful for teachers. If you are a teacher, if you're involved in schools in any way around the district, if you are involved in, in uh, daycare or buses or any way to do with kids in your occupation, if you would, wave your hands just like this in the air. We are so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're involved, if you're a teacher here, if you're involved in pouring in your, your love and insight into kids' ministry or preschool ministry, if that's you, would you wave your hands like this in the air? Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do. We have some amazing volunteers here. We have some amazing teachers. We have people that gave up vacation time to go to camp with kids this summer. That's crazy, crazy stuff. But uh, you are here, and we are grateful for you. Thank you for what you're, you do. Getting ready for the new school year. I know a lot of you have already started, uh, maybe in other, uh, other school zones, but uh, Cypher is starting this year. And I love the start of, of the new year. New is fun. There's something about, as a kid, you got new shoes, new, an outfit that some of you have already laid out on your bed that's perfectly ironed already. Some of you are like, moms are going, no way, that's not not, not my kid. Uh, we love new in a lot of different areas. We love new car smell. You know, anyone like the new car smell, the little tree in the, that you put in your car? Which I really want to wonder, what do they put in that little tree to make it smell like that? What is a new car smell anyway? Is it like new leather, new plastic, new rubber. Uh, there actually is a group of people that uh, they are, that's, that smell is actually toxic for you. They tell us to be in that new car smell, but an actual new car. And so they're trying to take that smell out of a car, but we love it, don't we? I love a new car smell. I love a new car. No, no, new shoes, new golf clubs, new, new is fantastic. Now, there's something else that we love that's new, new babies. Have you ever noticed that babies have a smell to them? We have a new baby on staff. Yeah. We have a new baby on staff, Hannah, and uh, we, people will just come in and hold Hannah, and you just see it. They secretly do this, which is a little creepy, uh, but there's just a smell to babies. We, this is something that's just awesome. We love it. And it's just a fresh start. We love fresh starts as well. You know, and I think that God wants to do in this season of life, maybe you're entering, maybe not the school year, maybe not a new grade or a new school, a new position, but there's something else that's new in your life. Maybe it is a new baby. Maybe it's a new, a new job, a new house, a new position, a new place in life, a new season for you. You know, I think God likes new too. He says in Isaiah 43, uh, this verse, 18 through 19, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God wants to do something new, and I think he wants to do something new in your life as well. So how do we get there? How do we go to this new season for, that God wants for us? FYI. Today's sermon, part one, response, part two, response. You're probably, some of the clock watchers are going, man, he's up there early. So we're going to have a part one, a response, and then a part two, just so that you, that you know. But if you have your Bibles with you, Isaiah chapter six this morning, that's where we're at. And uh, we had this, this guy, Isaiah, earlier on in the book. Isaiah chapter six, and uh, the very first verse, we're going to kind of go section by section. The very first thing that he says is this in verse one. And maybe some of you are familiar with this passage, and so it, it might sound familiar. 
It's this line, in the year King Uzziah died. Now, that seems like an odd phrase. Why would you put that? In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, when you have an odd phrase like that, ask the question, why is it there? This guy, Uzziah, he was king for 52 years. And for the most part, he was a great king. He was a good leader. He was a good military leader. There was peace and there was security in the land of Israel. But guess what? In the year King Uzziah died. New season's coming up. There's a lot of question marks uh, there. What's going to happen next? And maybe that's where you're at right now. What's going to happen next? You've got a lot of questions going on into this new place of life. Not familiar with with what's going to happen. And that's kind of where Isaiah is now. So what happens in this year King Uzziah died? Next verse, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. Now, this is not a typo. He saw the Lord. Now, what would that be like? Just get into your mind there. What is it going to be like to see the Lord? Just picture that in your mind. Can you go there? Can you even imagine? Can your senses even fathom what it's like to see the Lord? Now, I was thinking about this. You know, would we, I have some questions. You know, I don't know about you. I got some questions for, for God. Uh, you know, why are the Cubs always bad and why are the Cardinals always good? And they cheat too, apparently, uh, with emails and whatnot. Uh, why, you know, was there a second shooter, uh, JFK and the Grassy Knoll? Was that, that, that there? I don't know what your question is. What about the dinosaurs? You know, kids have questions too. Uh, there's some kids' uh, questions for God. This was a few of them that I found. In Bible, dear God, in Bible times, did they really talk that fancy? Uh, they might just have the King James at their house. Uh, dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? Here's a couple more. Uh, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I really prayed for was a puppy. Um, <laughs> dear God, if you let the dinosaurs not extinct, we would not have a country. You did the right thing. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> Here's another, a couple of other ones. Uh, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in my family, and I could never do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Cain, this is uh, from Larry. Larry says, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with me and my brother. Uh, that's there. Uh, this is from Ruth. She said, I, I think the stapler is one of the great, your greatest inventions. It's a pretty good one. Uh, Jane says this, dear God, instead of, of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now? It's a good question, Jane. Noah came up to me a couple weeks ago. I was like, okay, I know that, you know, animals in, were invented, you know, in, for different reasons, but why the mosquito, God? Why the mosquito? It's a good question. I don't know if you'd have questions before God. You know, what would, what would happen when we see the Lord? What, what would be next? Uh, I was, uh, we saw pictures from our, our youth group. They went to the Grand Canyon. And I had kind of a Clark W. Griswold moment this uh, week. And I went up to the attic because I went to the Grand Canyon 20 years ago. I've only been once. I went uh, for NYC in 95 in Phoenix. We, we were going to fly out there. Only my second time ever being on a plane. And uh, from South Carolina, the idea of going that far west was just a mind blower. I'm going through these pictures of my trip, and it really reminded me of some of the things there. The first picture I found was, I was not very familiar with the camera yet, but I thought it was a really big highlight of the trip that gas was $1.19. 
I had never seen gas that was above a dollar before. And so I took a picture of it. This is 1995. And took a picture of it, and I, and I was like, I got to show my parents this. They're not going to believe this. Big trip. Um, so we get on this plane. We, we fly over to, to Phoenix in Arizona, and we're driving to the Grand Canyon. Now, if you ever, have you ever been on a bus with a bunch of kids before and at one of those 60-passenger, 55-passenger buses before? Wow, okay? It's just chaos all around. If you were a bus driver, I just believe you just have a free pass to heaven uh, because the noises that happen back there, if you're a school bus driver, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was a bus buddy last year. Wow. Driving, keeping discipline, and amazing. So thank, thank you for that which reminds me of a story. This is a side freebie here. Uh, I rode the bus when I was in high school in the 10th grade, and in the very back of the bus, I got into some trouble one day when my friend Andre decided to moon the people behind us in the car, <laughs> which I do not encourage. Uh, and uh, the guy waves the bus driver down, pulls him over, and he has us line up. And... Uh, and the guy is like, mm, I'm not sure. It's just between me and my buddy, Andre, who is African-American. I was like, I pretty much, it's pretty easy line up here. Okay, we didn't have to really line up if you, anyway, we'll stop there. I did not get in trouble for that. But the bus has some, some experiences for me there. Uh, but we're on this bus heading to, in, into Phoenix, and we're going to the Grand Canyon. Kids are just singing because you sing when you're together. You sing silly songs like U-G-L-Y, You Ain't Got No Alibi. You ugly, you remember that, don't you? M-A-M-A, how you get, think you got that way? Your mama, hey, hey, your mama. N-I-K-E, don't you wish you had shoes like me? These are the songs we were singing back then, all right? Nikes, hey, hey, they're Nikes. Or there was one other, my youth pastor was bald, so B-A-L-D, you ain't got no hair no more, you're bald. Hey, hey, you're bald. Or, ain't no flies on us, ain't no flies on us. There might be flies on some of you guys, but there ain't no flies on us. We just yell these things back and forth. And so there's this, this chaos on this bus. There's food flying. There's my friend Robbie, who was, he at the time was just super smart. He was in Bible quizzing. He had memorized the book of John completely from cover to cover for Bible quizzing. And he's given me like fun facts of the Grand Canyon. Do you know that it's 15 miles wide at certain places and it's eight miles in other places and it's this far deep? And the very first person to call it the Grand Canyon was John Wesley such and such. And it used to be the Good Canyon or the Great Canyon. Now it's the Grand Canyon. He's just throwing out these fun facts facts the whole way all around the trip. And so this is just this melee that, that's happening. And we actually pull up to the Grand Canyon. And when we pull up and the doors fly open and we take those steps, the chaos went to whoosh, pin drop. Just a pin drop. When you see, and I don't know if you've ever been there before, there's just this hush that comes over you. It's sort of kind of a holy moment. And I, I just imagine this for, for Isaiah. As he walks into the presence of God, and, and what does he say? What, what is it that comes out of the next part here? I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, these are angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face not to look upon the holy God that was there. With two, they covered their, their feet, and with two, they were flying. 
and they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Do you think in that moment Isaiah's like, hey, I got all these questions in my mind. I've got, I just wanna throw out these random things to God. What did he do? He hits the ground. He hits the ground in this holy moment. This, this, this scene there, he, and when you're in the presence of God, you realize what Isaiah realized. And he said, he says this, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When you are in the presence of the holy God, there is a real realization that he is God, and you are not. We had this, uh, my grandmother's house, uh, she was a beautician. Uh, she did hair, and uh, she had a really kind of weird bathroom uh, where she had strange things like dentures, which you, when you're a kid growing up, you see that. That's kind of a, a strange thing for the first time. But she had something there that just, I, I go into her bathroom almost every time to see it. Uh, she had a regular mirror, and, and the lighting was kind of dimmer. And when you look in that mirror, I mean, it's like, hey, I look pretty good in that mirror. You know, I realized pretty early on in my life that I am not Brad Pitt, Okay. But I am not Shrek either, all right? So I was looking, you look in the mirror, okay, you do your hair, you get things right and straight. But then she had this other mirror. It was a special mirror. It was like, a, I think it was a magnifying mirror. Is that right? And, and she, it was about yay big, okay? And they had these little lights on the side. And when you turn that mirror on and you look in, in yourself in the mirror, it, it magnifies your face. And suddenly you see very, 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 very close up. Okay, as a teenager, this is very scary, okay? When I was looking into the inner soul of my pores, uh, you're like, ah, whoa. There is that moment. This is, this is kind of what I see here. It's that moment where you're looking at the big mirror when you're comparing to everyone else, but when you hit the holy of holies, suddenly you see the magnifying mirror that's there. You see the things that maybe we've been really trying hard to cover up, really trying to stay busy. And by the way, we're about to hit a busy season. I mean, we've had a, a good summer. Things, maybe you've had a vacation. Maybe it's been relaxing. But things are about to get crazy again, okay? And while we welcome the schedules, we know that the things start to pile up, practices and gymnastics and football and band and art. And all of these things start to... And we need, some, we need some breathing. We've been talking about that. But in the chaos, maybe people welcome the chaos. Maybe, maybe we actually welcome the masks that we put on because when we're so busy, we're only looking at the big mirror and we forget. Oh. But when you're in the presence of God, what does Isaiah say? Woe to me. And I think this Hebrew word, this is not official, but it means, holy cow, I'm disgusting. That's what that word means. I, and he says it, I am ruined. I am ruined. Back then, they had this room, 15 by 15. They called it the Holy of Holies. And once a year, someone would go into that room. 
and uh, someone, one person that was chosen. And they'd actually put bells on them, and they would wrap a rope around their leg. And once a year, they would go and, and make uh, offerings to, the, to, the God, to God. And there would be a, the, the Holy of Holies house, the Ark of the Covenant was inside of there. And they would go in, and they put the rope on the person because if there wasn't, a person wasn't totally right with God, and it wasn't totally clean, that they would die on the spot and, and would pull them out with the rope. And there was a veil that covered, it was purple, and there were angels that were most likely embroidered on the, the outside that was there. This veil was there so that no one would go past this. So when he says to him, I am ruined, he is thinking about the Holy of Holies. He is in the Holy of Holies, and he knows that things aren't right here. And so he's just waiting to hit the ground physically. And there's no rope around him, but he is in the presence of God. There is this, I, you know, I, I just like to read 18th century uh, poets uh, in my spare time. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, just to remember that I'm very cultured from Alabama. Uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, maybe you've heard this uh, poem before. And the name of it is The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. It's a long one. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the story goes like this. There's basically a ship that's out to sea, and in the middle of this pretty bad uh, scene of weather, uh, there is this albatross that comes on the boat, on the, the bow of the boat, and when he shows up, the weather and the, the passage begins to clear the way, and so the boat is starting to can, can get out of this, this the, the, the tough seas that they've had. But one sailor, he, I don't know if he was just hungry or just thought it would be sports, but he takes a crossbow and he shoots the albatross dead. So when the albatross dies, at first it looked like their fortune was good, but suddenly the, everything within the boat, with everything happening to the boat, began to turn bad. Uh, people began to randomly die. They were haunted, they felt like, by things around and so the other crew members, what did they do? They took the dead albatross, and they forced the, the one crew member to wear it around his neck. And he was forced to walk the earth with the albatross, this large bird, around his neck. And I want you to check out this line that's, that's in the poem. Oh, well a day, what evil looks, had I from old and young, instead of the cross, the albatross, about my neck was hung. An albatross instead of a cross. Do you see the symbolism there? Let me tell you. I don't know what season of life you're going into. But for many people that I know of, there is an albatross around their neck. Their past haunts them. And they are walking the earth and maybe they're very good at hiding it. But there is an albatross that's around their neck. And, and trying to stay busy, trying to maybe put some mask on to hide the things that are there, but it's just a haunting thing. The memories from what we have done before are, are there and they're just always kind of present. Can I tell you this? There's good news today. There's great news. Jesus does not 
wants you to walk the earth with an albatross. He wants you to take the albatross off. He is a God that makes the old things new. I love that verse where he says in Psalms 32, 3 through 5, when I refused to confess my sin, this is David talking, my body wasted away. I groaned all day. Day and night, your hand of discipline, it was heavy on me. There was this guilt and this shame. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all of my guilt is gone. That's what Jesus does for us. He, when, he, when Isaiah is in that moment, when he's in that place of, I am ruined, I'm dead, I, my body is about to hit the ground because you are God and I am clearly not. And there are things in my life that I am ashamed of. There's things in my past, there's things that no one knows about. And maybe no one can see it, but it's there and it haunts me and it is heavy. And I, it's a habit, it's a, it's a mistake, it's something I wish I never would have said or never would have done but it's there and it doesn't go away. So what happens? Some angels in that scene in the Holy of Holies, they come over and they take a coal from the altar and they place it on Isaiah's lips. And he says, they say this, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. What's happening here, guys? This is foreshadowing to what's, for what's to come. It's foreshadowing to the cross. It's foreshadowing to the one that would take our sin and our guilt away. If you want God to do something new in your life, you've got to take the albatross off. And you've got to put the cross on. And you have to see, instead of your past and your sin and your guilt, you see the grace of God in your life. This is what he says in Isaiah 43. I, yes, alone will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. Catch that. I'll never think of them again. There are some people that think, well, God just, he just forgets. He just throws them away. God chooses not to remember our sin. He chooses not to remember, and he's calling us to do the same. Remember that 1 Corinthians 13, I keep no record of wrongs. That's what love looks like. And so that's the kind of God that we have that doesn't keep a record of our wrongs. He doesn't remember them, and he's calling us to see the same way that he sees as well. So this morning, I just want to remind you in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. God wants to do something new in your life in this season. And maybe the first step today is this. Woe is me. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me or wipe away my sin. God tells us if we, if we confess our sins, we just confess them to him and have faith and put our trust in him, he will forgive us. So maybe as you enter this new season, you need to take that albatross off of your past and stop living in it and see what God has in the future. We're going to sing a song. 
and it talks about what Jesus has done for us. I just invite you as you, as you stand in worship, I'm confident that you can do two things at once. You can read the words on this screen and you can sing, but you can have a conversation with Jesus today. You can, in your heart of hearts, begin to get to the holy of holies because guess what? The veil has been torn today. It's open for everyone, everyone. We can come into his presence and his presence is here today. And you can be real and open and honest with him and maybe this is the place where you say, woe is me, God. I need, your, I need you to purify and to cleanse my heart and I need you to help me take that albatross off today. So I invite you to stand and let's sing together. Such good news today. Would you pray with me, God? Thank you for your grace in our life, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your son that came and died for us. Lord, none of us, none of us is clean. We have been separated from you by our sin. God, we confess to you, Lord. Lord, we come to you today in your, your presence, in these holy, this holy moment, God, and we recognize our need for you, Lord. Lord, in our heart of hearts, Jesus, we just we open up to you, God. And, and Lord, there are things in our, our past, in our lives, God, Lord, we just recognize and are thankful for your grace that is there. Lord, for the person that's here today, God, and has never prayed that before, to say, God, please forgive me of my sins. Lord, I, I, give them, I pray that you'd give them courage today to take that step and, and put their faith and their trust in you, Lord. God, I pray for the person today that just feels haunted. They can't get them, the images out of their mind, God. Lord, I pray that they would have eyes like your eyes, Lord, that they would see sin no longer, Jesus. Lord, today we thank you for some amazing symbols of that grace and that love. As we come to your table today, Lord, we pray that, Lord, as we hold the bread and the, and the, the cup, Lord, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be full of gratitude and thanks, Lord. God, that we would see your cross. Lord, we would see it uh, every day, Jesus, and we'd live in that grace and we would extend it to others, Jesus. That's our hope and our prayer now. In our church, we, we practice an open table, and that means anybody can come. And we believe that the cup and the bread are symbols of Jesus' grace. And so as you take those today, be reminded of what Jesus Christ did for you. We uh, practice this thing called intinction where you take a, a piece of bread and, and then you, you dip it into the cup and then you, you take it. And in our family, we like to pass the plate. And so you're going to be served by someone, and those servers are, are, are coming now. And then you're going to serve the next person behind you. So I remind you, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a, a, a plate of bread, or, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. And then he took a cup, and he, and he prayed for it, and said, this is my blood that was shed for you. Do this today in remembrance of him. Tables open. Come as you as you, you feel led.